0: Hello everyone and welcome to Dragon Talk I am Greg Tito and I am without Shelley today because she's very important But we do have two very awesome people who also are very important We have Wolfgang Bauer Hi there and, uh, Megan, I'm gonna screw up your last name. Megan... Maracle. Maracle. I was gonna say Marigold, and it would have been no, close. you're
1: all good.
2: No, I could.
0: Uh, Wolfgang, of course, is the, uh, uh, kobold in chief of Kobold Press. That's me. You might have heard him on the podcast before. I've been here
2: before. You keep on inviting me back, I don't know why. Because
0: <laughs> you keep emailing on six-month intervals. Oh, yeah. Hey, I miss you, Greg. <laughs> yeah. Let's hold hands and talk... <laughs> and on, talk gaming. ...with microphones in front of us. Uh, and Megan, you are the first one here. The first time here, rather. Yes, yes. You are the editor. Have you done a lot of, uh, uh, I'm I'm jumping right into the interview when we're still doing like intro stuff, because I want to get like right to the heart of it all. Sure. Uh, But you're the editor of uh, a lot of uh, Wolfgang Press stuff. Wolfgang Press.
1: Oh, awesome. Why did I think that? You're changing it now,
0: right? No, it's Cobalt Press. It's not changing. Okay, good. That was close. So yes, you're the editor. Yes. Okay, good. What does that mean, real quick, for folks who uh, don't know what an editor does in an RPG product?
1: That means I make everybody else sound good. Okay. Well, written wise, not, <laughs> not sound wise.
2: That's why the interviews always happen. She drops some yeah. sick beats at the club <laughs> <laughs> afterwards. No, I mean, we hand things to Megan and they come back better. That's really well, what it that's is. That's
1: what I hope. I mean, if they came back worse, then I probably wouldn't still be working with You would year. not
2: be in the field now. <laughs> that's true. Pursuing other opportunities. Right. How long have you been doing stuff uh, uh, with this guy?
1: Uh, June, July.
2: Yeah, it's relatively recent, yep. but got kind of a track record in the industry, right? Like periodicals. Yeah, yeah.
1: exactly.
2: Nice, um, cool. Well,
0: we'll get into the heart of, uh, of of your exciting new product that you just uh, yeah. uh, announced on the
2: Kickstarter very soon. What's it called? It's called the Creature Codex. Nice. It's alliterative. It's a book of creatures that is a codex, like it's sort of like a manual if it had monsters in it. But, <laughs> but that was taken. But that was taken, so we went with the next best thing. That yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And you did the widely successful uh, Tome of Beasts. It's basically Tome of Beasts 2, Electric Boogaloo, which some people wanted us to actually use as the title, but no. Because <laughs> that's probably copyright too. I, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but it, it probably be. is. Yeah, I, you know wasn't going that road. But Creature Codex is the the new tome of beasts and it's going to be it's already huge. It funded in like 2 hours and we've got 1700 backers and we're we're <laughs> I'm over the moon about it, right? It's <laughs> like sequels. Sequels are hard. What if nobody cares about part 2? Yeah. No, it turns out people care.
0: Yeah, there's no sophomore slump for, uh, for, mm-hmm. for this type of thing. Not for Cobalt Press. I like it. No. I th- You said you were over the moon. I thought you were going to do like Tom Cruise, like get up on the, the couch and start jumping around Oprah style. You were almost there. You
2: get a monster manual. <laughs> <laughs> you get a monster manual. Everybody. <laughs> yes, and yes yeah, all right. No, we,
0: I'm not going to. Do gonna. I get
2: one? Do I Where's get one? your couch? Okay, next time bring it. In... Yeah. It's no, over there.
0: It's... I know. Sorry. I like being tense. And, and you know... Focused. And focused and uh, have a desk in front of me. All right. Right? I think the couch... Yeah, right? Because the couch would be too relaxed. I
2: just would fall asleep. Uh, it's not your style. It's not my style. Right, exactly. So
1: apparently you're that boring that he would fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: That was implied. That was implied. I, <laughs> I saw the dig. I heard... The, I felt the shade being thrown, but that's... That's Greg, man. It's true. It's subtle. <laughs> you got to dig deeper. Uh, so Dungeons & Dragons has got some fun stuff going
0: on. We have uh, yes. uh, Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Have oh you guys my seen God, it?
2: Oh, yes. It's kind of amazing. People have been looking for this, I don't know how long, right? I mean, the teasers, the unearthed arcana, the years of buildup, and then it finally hit. So. And then it finally hit. I know, right? And it's like a bestseller. I've never even seen that before. Yeah, congratulations to your New York Times best-selling self, right? The, we are
0: nonfiction.
2: Do you know that? I, I, it's in the nonfiction category. I, you know, I wouldn't even argue with them, right? Like yeah. wherever it's a bestseller. I, why is it nonfiction? I don't understand that but those part. Because
1: the holders are real. You just gotta accept it. <laughs> it's true.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, Megan knows. See, they're sort of a hidden group, right? Underground. Yeah. Nobody hears about them. Memory One wipes. The
1: people that do exactly the memory wipes.
2: Okay, this explains a lot about, like, my social calendar. Like, every Saturday I'm like, go to Waterdeep, go clubbing with the elves, electronic dance music, whatever. <laughs> and I come back and I'm like, what did I do this weekend? Was it, were there beholders involved? I don't know. Did you have a dream about a beholder? No. Because that's
0: how beholders get made. Oh, really? Yeah, that one beholder has a dream of another beholder and
2: another beholder It's just appears. like from the head of Athena.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay. I've been reading my girls' uh, Greek myths. I got a Greek myths book at the at the book fair that has this like amazing art. It's actually I think it's a National Geographic imprint of a Greek myth story. Uh-huh. It's amazing, and they are always asking the wrong questions, like, <laughs> "Why does Zeus have so many wives?" <laughs> I'm like,
2: ah. Did you have to focus on that part?
0: Right, and uh, and it starts with like you know the Titans and Cronos uh, uh, eating, eating babies, all the
2: children. Yeah, yes. and they're like, "Does that work?" Can you? St-? I'm like, "No, no, it's just a story." Would that pass muster? At like standards and practices, you know, <laughs> here the the devouring children. I don't know. Yeah, but they love it,
1: it's and like we want bedtime stories.
2: It is good bedtime stories, right? For nightmare
0: fuel, <laughs> <laughs> right? And then the imagery that the the, the uh, specific volume that we have is got these really. Crazy uh, uh, art, it almost like rivals like D and D books. But they had the Titans, with the hundred heads, and and yeah. the cyclopses and they all wanted. They, I kind of like glossed over that and went to the next page. Like, no, 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 turn back! I want to study this picture <laughs> and find out more. It has a hundred heads and thirty arms, and I'm like, oh,
2: yeah. how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Let we go back to Zeus
0: and his wife? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Luckily, this book is very good about, like, they just took a wife and that's, mm. you know, how it all happens. And so I don't have to explain that much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's all there. It's all implied. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, <laughs> yeah, next I'll be reading them Tome of Beasts and uh, Electro
2: Boogaloo, too. <laughs> yeah. That's Ranger my bedtime Codex. story. Yeah, that's – well, honestly, there's a lot of horrible, horrible stuff out of world myths and legends picked up right there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Plus the stuff that comes from the brains of various designers associated with the project. I mean Sean Mervin and uh, James Hake and Dan Dillon, just to name three. Um, they're all dark, evil people. And <laughs> <laughs> they like to make players and suffer. They, exactly. So. Well, and that's I all.
1: To, to read and edit how they make people suffer and make it actually sound good. And I'm like, I'm. Ruining somebody's life now. This is
0: great. <laughs> well, they have to uh, uh, experience the suffering from you before they know right. how to translate that into suffering for their players.
1: Right. Right.
0: Sure. Right. Yeah. So you're passing it on. You're, you're serving a service. Oh,
1: okay. Well, that's good.
0: <laughs> and you're doing a good job, too, because oh. it's really creepy, the <laughs> stuff that's in uh, uh, Atoma Bees and I'm sure is going to be in Creature Codex, too. Oh,
2: yeah. We, we skew dark. Somebody yeah. asked us recently, what's the, you know, what's your aesthetic at Cobalt Press? I had to think about it for a while. I'm like, well, we have a rule: no science fiction. We just don't do that. Hmm. But but the more positive rule is, yeah, we, we skew dark. So um, dark fantasy. Yeah, not uh, not happy go lucky princesses uh, in a no. tower.
1: There's there's an angel or two. There are,
2: uh, yeah. but they're like the the biblical angel of death and yeah. doom and <laughs> destruction. If you go into your classic, they're still angels, they are, but they're like it's a wheel of fire and destroys the city. <laughs> oh. Okay, that'll be fun. It's like the yeah. the blood on top of the uh the, the doorway kind of angel. Not yeah, the, uh, it's the uh, angel right? you definitely want to have pass over. Right. Not not the cherubs, no. <laughs>
0: no.
1: No cherubs. No.
0: <laughs> Can
2: we have like an evil cherub at least?
0: Can well there's
1: there's kind of a fae that's kinda like that. Yeah.
2: There is there is? <laughs> I don't remember he, that like, one. He, like,
1: sneaks into people's beds at night, paralyzes them, and then, like, as they wake up in their nightmares, he's, like, grinning on top of them.
2: Yes. The sort yeah. of classic uh, night S- terror, Sleep paralysis. Sleep paralysis monster, Ooh. which, I don't know. I think there's a lot to be done with nightmares and, like, long rests and short rests and turning them into um, less comfortable times exactly. of play. You're all going to take a long rest, huh? All right, all right <laughs> are, are you sure div- you sure because <laughs> <laughs> you, <sure? laughs> you remember what happened last night <laughs> <laughs> It all went to crap you know, that evil fay come through and you wake up and your party is you know didn't we have a party of five? No. <laughs> no, you've got a party of four. That's yeah. all you remember. Oh. Memory wipe. You know, that so- that uh, uh, Fox sitcom didn't do as good. No. It really party of didn't. four. Party of
0: four. It was just missing something, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it was missing one thing. I can't put my finger on it. Uh, it was an actor from that series that I can't remember. Uh, that would have been a good if I had like the button to have that actor's name, but it was I don't uh, remember anything from that show.
2: From the show, no, no, sorry.
0: Did you watch Party of Four? <laughs> no, no, I
1: did. Not.
0: Good for you. Yeah. I think you're a better person. Yeah, okay. you lucked out. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Uh, so I feel like I gotta do like two more announcements, then do we'll the get announcements. to, to our more. segment. Then we'll get to our interview, and it'll be just the continuation of everything we have just been talking about. Uh, so, Idle Champions of the Forgotten Realms. Yes. Uh, has a new event. It's coming out Monday, uh, uh, December 18th. You'll be able to unlock and gear up Daddyus the Scarlet, which was one of the uh, characters you could play in Betrayal of Baldur's Gate. Right. Did you know that? No. Uh, yeah, so... But I do now. You do now, right? And, uh, of course, it's sp- it spurred all these, like, who's your daddious, uh, uh. uh <laughs> stupid memes <laughs> on, uh, on Twitter. Thank you, Trevor Kidd, for that one. <laughs> you did a good job. Um, but, no, you should go check that out. And it, uh, I- Idle <laughs> Champions is a fun game because you can uh, set up uh, your party uh, and the adventure in the Forgotten Realms through the Sword Coast. They're going through Chult right now killing lots of Excellent. dinosaurs with zombie dinosaurs out there. Uh, but you can set it up and then you can kind of walk away and it'll collect loot, collect all the, uh, uh, kill all the XP and, and monsters uh, and then you come back and you've earned all this stuff and then you can level up your guys again and, and, and get them uh, uh, better and, and uh, more successful at what they do. Uh, so it's called an idle game for that reason. It's tons of fun. It's on Steam. Go check it out. Uh, and there's also uh, some fun stuff coming down uh, uh, from the uh, tales from Candlekeep, Tomb of Annihilation is available on mm. Steam as well, uh, which is a fun uh, translation of uh, the Tomb of Annihilation game that our friends WizKids uh, made. So there's two versions of that board game out there awesome. in the wild right now. Right. Uh, one is the premium version; it's got all the minis uh, from from WizKids in um, pre painted glory. I love those. So if you wanted to stock up on a lot of uh, 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 you know Tomb of Annihilation appropriate minis, that's an easy way to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also the slightly uh, less expensive uh, one-color plastic version which has all those miniatures but just in one-color plastic so you don't, you know, if you just want to play the board game. And it's all compatible with other adventure system games. So if you have mm. Legend of Drist or Wrath of Shardalon or Cav- Castle Ravenloft, you can play all those within there. All to scale.
2: Right. All work together.
0: But if you don't have any friends or just want to play uh, <laughs> on a, like you know, a Tuesday night at, 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 ah. at 10 p.m., which is usually what happens to me, uh, you can boot up Tales from Candle Keep, the Tomb of Annihilation game. and basically have that same experience but in a single-player AI driven uh uh strategy board game the ai cheats doesn't it <laughs> it's really hard yeah it's yeah it's challenging you have to you have to get uh, uh some really good decision making skills in order to to beat those scenarios
1: i love how the ai that doesn't work with you is always the the smart one
0: that's right always yeah. always the one that goes against you is
2: like the one that like is yep. the genius it's recognized you're the threat right <laughs> so it's like you you are from Space. I'm getting rid of you. I will. <laughs> we are Skynet and we are, we are Legion. <laughs> yes. Steam is headed that way, man. <laughs> It is. It's all about tactics and winning.
0: But Dungeons & Dragons isn't about winning. It's about uh, no. cooperating and, you know, uh, killing some angels. <laughs>
2: mm. if, if you're by yes, you, if, yes, <laughs> it is. Merry Christmas. <laughs> we're <What? laughs> we bringing the dark cobalt edge exactly right there. Yeah,
0: right? That's why I, I was bringing mm-hmm. it back around. All right, so we're doing callbacks already, even before we get to our first segment. So let's throw it to uh, a segment uh, that you guys will listen to. <laughs> Welcome to another segment of Sage Advice. Uh, I am Greg Tito, and I'm joined by Jeremy Crawford. Hello, everyone. And we are going to talk about a specific topic within the Dungeons & Dragons uh, rules uh, and uh, and how it is made and how those rules are made. And especially with 5th edition, there was a lengthy playtest called uh, uh, D&D Next uh, in which 175,000 of uh, D&D fans out there downloaded versions of the game and offered feedback and that ended up with fifth edition, but that that uh, idea of playtesting and getting player feedback has continued uh, through the life cycle of fifth edition, and we want to kind of talk about that and and uh, uh, Jeremy's work on the uh, on Arthur Canna series on uh, uh, and how some of those things ended up in printed material and what the difference is between all that. So it's a big topic, uh, and it is all about how we're we're taking feedback from you, the fans. So uh, yeah, where where should we
3: start? Well. You and I really wanted to dive into this partly because of Xanathar's Guide uh, to Everything Coming Out. And Correct. it uh, exists thanks to a lot of feedback uh, from our community. Lots of playtesting feedback, not only through the Unearthed Arcana series, uh, but then also playtest feedback from our playtesters who've signed NDAs. Because for anyone who doesn't know... Um, Often our books, pieces of them, we will preview publicly, usually through Unearthed Arcana, and get feedback that way. While at the same time, we send portions of the book to sort of our – we call them sometimes our alpha playtesters. They get to see more, give us feedback, and we get all of that feedback in private. And then the combination of those two sets of feedback in addition to our own game development and internal playtesting – results in the final version of mm. a particular rule. So <clears throat> Xanathar's Guide, uh, like all of our books, uh, has had uh playtest review, but it, like the core books, uh, was particularly the result of a lot of public feedback because uh, every one of the subclasses in Xanathar's Guide uh, was released in some form or another in the Unearthed Arcana series, uh many, many months, uh, and in a few cases, uh, more than a year, uh, before the book came out. Mm -hmm. And also in some cases, people got to see more than one version of a particular subclass. Right. And so what that is, is that was an example of us looking at playtest feedback, uh, seeing what was working and what wasn't, uh, doing some revisions, and then sending out a new version, getting feedback on it, Then doing more revisions until, again, people saw the final version that's in Xanathar's game. And those
0: were just the public ones. There were also many internal rounds within that. Yes. Uh, So even though you may have seen two versions of a class, there might have been four or five different versions that were up for for playtest.
3: Absolutely. There was a whole version of the Kensei, for instance, for the monk uh, that I wrote one night uh, (laughs) that we never never sent out. After
0: drinking a whole lot of water.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That was water. That's right. (laughs) Um, And... But so the question that I often get asked uh, is, well, what determines what makes it into a book? Be- yeah. Because of the Unearthed Arcana process, people saw things uh, in those uh, articles that are not in Xanathar's Guide. So people naturally want to know, well, where did it go? Right. Why? Uh, uh, because, you know, there were subclasses. There were also feats. Uh, there were also some spells people saw. There were optional rules people saw, like mass combat. Uh, There were a number of things that we showed off over the past year that are not in this book. So I have several answers for what happened. Uh, So a few things were received well and might show up later. So that immediately immediately draws out the question, what does it mean to be received well? And so what we're usually aiming for is 70% satisfaction. We want – uh, for something we publish in the game to be satisfactory to at least 70% uh, of our players, which is actually a pretty high bar. Uh, and we're happiest when we can push the satisfaction level up to 80, 85%. Right. Sometimes we'll see something up in the 90s, like the Forge domain, uh, the new domain for the cleric, uh, was uh, edging up around the 90s. It was so well liked oh, uh, for Xenothar's Guide.
0: Uh, um that's important to 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 uh maybe we, overstate if we haven't stated already is that uh through the playtest process many versions of the game have been playtested before but i think the first time in fifth edition it was codified into surveys and got we were able to get those 85 70% numbers with a large enough sample size to actually be able to extrapolate okay we think you know 70% of our fan base total fan base it can We'll, we'll enjoy this this feature or class or things like that, right?
3: Absolutely, and it's funny. It's connected to something. Uh, I I even uttered these words to Mike Merles today at lunch, uh, where we, he he and I are always talking about things we're working on now and things we're going to work on, you know, way down the road. And uh, in in that conversation, I just offhand brought up, you know, we're in the happiness business. Where it is it is our job to make as many of our fellow D and D fans as happy as possible. And that's why we have become really strict about chasing those things that are going to make as many people happy as possible. Now, it still means not everyone's going to be happy, uh, because even with a a a target of seventy percent or higher satisfaction, that's still potentially thirty percent of the people who aren't going to like something. that's fine because of how many different options we have. I mean this is why we have all the different classes we have with different subclass options, many different spell options, uh, etc. We have all these options always with the hope of appealing to as, as broad of an audience as we can because something we've talked about many times going all the way back to the D&D Next Playtest is we have seen over and over again – That the D&D audience is amazingly diverse, not only in terms of type of people who play our game, but also in terms of everyone's tastes. Uh, You know, people like, you know, everyone has a different kind of character they want to play, a different kind of campaign they want to play in, a different play style they prefer. We need to make sure that D&D is a big kind of high fantasy storytelling platform has a place for these different modes um, mm-hmm. while keeping the whole game simple. <laughs> it's, right. a, it's a balancing act that, that we you – because know, we don't want to achieve that by you know, overloading the, the game with rules. Uh, so you know, we like to keep things as open-ended as possible, et So we So the things in Xanathars are the things that over the course of playtesting scored the highest in terms of satisfaction – there are a few minor exceptions. There were a couple of things that were well-liked, but we ended up delaying them. Uh, and usually it's because we wanted to do more work on them. Like mm. we said, okay, this is worth doing more with, but not now. Uh, we have enough – like basically we have enough to fill the roster. The book is is good. Uh, we can save this for another time and we can get it just right. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: Or... Was that based on, like, personal satisfaction from from, from the designers that we were like, well, it's almost there?
3: Yeah, because we we also, you know, once we look at the playtest feedback and we make sure we're addressing people's concerns, uh, we also have to just decide, you know, are we nailing it to our own satisfaction? You know, are we... Do we feel we're really succeeding at addressing people's uh, desires and concerns about a particular option? And if we don't feel we're there yet and if there's no pressure for us to solve it now, Mm. we will push it uh, to another product. Uh, Now, if we needed to fill like, oh, God, um, we need need to put more stuff in this book – that's and
0: what we need. We commission more art and just put the art.
3: <laughs> we, which by the way, is is almost never a problem we have because almost always we design way more than we need. That's true. Um,
0: the te- I think you've said in on a previous parts of the co- the the podcast that you you will cut text more so than cutting uh, uh, graphical elements. Yes.
3: Yeah. Because we because we always know we're going to end up designing things that just don't hit their targets, and so we always design more than we need, and then zero in on the things that people like most because, again, we're in the happiness business. So let's let's make sure we're making the those happy-making things appeal to as many people as possible. Right. So here's an example of something in the playtest process. And, again, there weren't very many of these, but there were a few that scored really high, um, but it just wasn't their time yet. And so one of those was the Stone Sorcerer. A lot of people liked it. We really liked it. Uh, but... There was some more we wanted to do, uh, not just with the Stone Sorcerer, but also with the Phoenix Sorcerer and the sort of some elemental things going on there, and wanting, uh, you know, to sort of approach them in a more holistic way. We were already full up on the Sorcerer being super well liked because that. So it's basically with the Sorcerer we had a high class problem. Mm.
0: Uh,
3: we had more satisfaction for the subclasses than we expected, so we had basically more subclasses. Available than we had a room we were planning in, and also time on uh, devoting to the sorcerer because that's something that's often invisible to people who uh, buy our books and play our game. Is every rule that is for us has a cost of time uh, because getting it right, testing it, reading the feedback, uh, those are hours, if not days, if in some cases if not weeks, if not months of work and. So, we always are having to do the calculus of essentially, do we have the time, this resource, do we have enough of it to do this thing right, right. and if we don't right now we're going to we'll we'll save it because uh, uh, it turns out there will be more d d books. And some of these things can come later,
0: and it's much better to nail it and get it r- r- in a way that's personally satisfying as well as uh, uh, res- resonating with the fans through the surveys and things like that. So you can be like, all right, well, let's let's not rush this out the door. Let's make sure that this is exactly what we, we we think we want to publish.
3: Absolutely, and and also in the book we want it to be in because mm-hmm. sometimes things will sync up nicely with other things we're working on, oh, right? Like story
0: which, wise, yeah,
3: exactly. And so sometimes also there's there's things we can't talk about yet because you know we're often planning, you know many books ahead and we might realize, wait, this thing we're working on would actually be better in like a book, four books from now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm incredibly nervous you're going to say the, <laughs> the names of those books. <laughs> <I know. laughs> and now I'm suddenly going to announce yeah, right. our next four books. Bob's. <laughs> <Bob-a-Bob>. <laughs> so, uh, again, very few things from this past uh, year and a half or so of Unearthed Arcana are in that category of super well-liked, but we're delaying it, right uh, pretty much everything else that got uh, cut uh, as a as a potential uh occupant in Xanathar's guide to everything was cut simply because the satisfaction scores weren 't high enough mm. uh, just there weren't enough people who wanted those things in the game, and so we just couldn't justify moving forward with them uh, when other things that people were more excited about uh, w- were in front of us, and we had enough. I mean, we again we ended up with this wonderful buffet of things that people were happy about. Um, And now, someone might wonder: Well, if we're if we're just guided by satisfaction, could we end up with a book where, like, we planned on having something for every class, but instead we have it's all just for the rogue (laughs) because people only only like playing rogues. Yeah. So there are of course other factors that we have to balance this with. We have to balance satisfaction also with completeness. You know, because one of one of our goals for Xanathar's uh, going into it was every class needs to have at least one subclass. Right. Uh, I think and, you got up to two for each subclass, right? Everyone but the wizard. And right. the reason for that is actually the wizard subclasses did not score particularly well until we did the war mage, uh, and even it was like just squeaked over the line. 68%. But because uh, we needed to have something for the wizard, that was a case of, okay, we'll devote time to get this right Uh and whereas if we'd already been full up on wizards we're like, okay go go buddy you can wait right um sure. we got we got more
0: well liked versions of you that we want people yeah. to see yeah and uh, on some of those so oh yeah sorry, go ahead and
3: and so but that the wizard is a great oh. example of we are not going to publish something just to fill pages yeah. uh that because the other wizard subclasses uh were not achieving the satisfaction that we wanted uh to see And we felt they would require an amount of work that could end up not even paying off in much of a satisfaction increase. We just moved on uh, and said, okay, wizard, you get one. That makes Um, sense. But we also knew that was an easy decision to make because we knew the wizard was also getting more spells in this book than anybody else. So, in many ways, if you're playing a wizard, the thing you want most are spells. Uh so yeah, it's less about the <clears throat> the specific subclass of a wizard you're playing right right and and so we that was a higher priority for us to make sure we delivered the the spells for the wizard.
0: What about things like the uh the 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 way you were guys reconceptualizing the ranger, for example?
3: Oh, yeah, so we have other things that we've play tested uh over the last couple years uh that are not here, but we announced uh in advance that they wouldn't be here. Uh, so there's the revised ranger, uh, there's the mystic class, and there's the artificer. <clears throat> so those three things we announced before Xanathar's Guide came out not going to be in it. Yeah, but we are still working on them. So they their fate uh, was not sunk by low satisfaction or anything like that because the artificer and the mystic both had high satisfaction. But introducing a new class to the game is way more labor intensive if we 're going to get it right, uh, mm. then introducing a subclass for an already existing class, and the mystic in particular introduces a whole new magic system uh, that right now in its current form is 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 frankly kind of uh, bonkazonks broken <laughs> uh,
0: so... <laughs> the technical term
3: <coughs> it, yes. it
0: got bonkazonks.
3: yeah and so before basically and i mean this is really what it came down to before I would allow the art uh the mystic into the game, uh, it needs a lot more play testing and a lot more development. Um, we also have some new angles we want to try with it. Mm. Uh, and, and then there's the question of just when is the right time, uh, to introduce, uh, either of these new classes, which wow. are, which are their niche archetypes. Uh, they they have their fans, people want them, we want them, uh, but they're in a different category from say fighter, rogue, cleric, wizard, and, and the other real classic archetypes. So, you know, we want them to have a home, but, uh, just, it's not ready quite yet. Uh, now as for the revised ranger, uh, it is in a different category because it's something we haven't done otherwise, which is put out a, almost kind of a redo on a core class. It, the Revised Ranger definitely has its fans, but the longer that the, the Unearthed Arcana process went uh, leading up to the release of Xanathar's Guide to Everything, the more I noticed that actually the Revised Ranger was causing confusion, uh, that mm. having a second version of a class in the Player's Handbook, for the people who are aware of it, uh, we're always wondering, wait, is, does this thing work with the Revised Ranger or the Player's Handbook Ranger? And and it's the 3.5 3. 5, 3 point problem where it's like yes. what does that mean yeah and and then there's also the issue uh that might surprise uh many of our listeners uh particularly those who are fond of the revised ranger uh that most of our fans have no idea exists uh <laughs> and and actually many of our players love the player's handbook ranger. So the conundrum is we don't want to release a version of the ranger that takes away the ranger that actually many people are enjoying. Uh, And even if you look at D&D Beyond play statistics, a lot of people play uh, the player's handbook ranger. Yeah. Uh, And
0: so... It's almost like at a point where you'd want to create a whole... Rather than calling it a revised ranger, call it like, you know, it's a completely new thing so that it doesn't feel like it's conflicting with both... it, and, and you would want to do that for a story reason, almost ex- rather than it being exactly
3: because yeah. our our class design is driven by story first and foremost. Uh, that archetype already exists. You know, we're not going to create. Uh, a second ranger class, and and call it you know something else, the rangier, or you know, what, I know. <laughs> whatever.
0: I was trying to come up with a witty uh, right. thing, but yeah. Yeah, or, I, I would have just said Bob's Bob Bob thing again, right?
3: <laughs> or the Seeker from Fourth Edition, which was basically a a, a different take on the the ranger. Yeah, um, we, we're we're not going to do that because in Fifth, our our classes are archetype based, and our archetypes are narrative categories. Uh, and we're not going to create a class that's just simply there uh, because people want a different set of of game mechanics. The other thing that we found, the more we looked carefully at uh, the revised Ranger feedback, is something I suspected going into that whole thing, is really dissatisfaction with the player's handbook Ranger is mostly about the Beastmaster. Mm. And my philosophy when it comes to kind of stewardship of the game is... If something is broken, just fix the broken thing and move on because it gets really dangerous if you start messing around with things around the broken thing uh, because then you can start destabilizing uh, the game. Uh, you can – again, you can start taking things away from people you know, and they like those things uh, because that, that's the other thing. For, it, it can, just Not just for D&D players but just for us as humans, we often forget that the thing we don't like, someone else loves. Right and and the thing we love, you're always going to meet somebody who has no interest in it or who thinks it's the worst. And it's important. The thing that you mentioned, I want to make sure we highlight here is that there are
0: a audience of folks who follow Unearthed Arcana, uh, the the you know sometimes monthly, sometimes bi monthly, sometimes weekly series of uh, uh, of these articles that you and uh, Mike produce. Uh, but that's not the entire D anD D audience. The no. entire D anD D audience. Uh, is much larger, and so it, while it may feel like Unearthed Arcana's uh, releases are a big part of uh, your D anD D fandom, it's not. It's not true for everyone else. So if we start to fragmentize that, it, it can lead to more problems. T- to the fact that you're saying, like, oh, we're, you just took that away because of a revised
3: ranger that came out that was based on Unearthed Arcana feedback, but which, which is actually, f- you know, not, not. Uh, Fully representative of everybody, which is one of the reasons why we get feedback from multiple channels. Right. Um, so we're still looking at how to proceed. Uh, it's most likely with the ranger going to be a much more targeted revision, uh, and it will be optional. Like basically, here's a swap out. Like you can take this beastmaster thing and use this other thing in its place. Which yeah. makes sense. I mean, I mean, you can make a new subclass, and it just kind of. Create some of that uh, uh, you know re-
0: remove some of that uh, confusion that people might have
3: and and going going at it going at it at that angle, I've been exploring the possibility of us developing uh, a few swap outs for several classes in the Player's handbook of mm-hmm. you know because we know there are certain features that people are not crazy about, not just in the Beastmaster, but we know this like in the way of the four elements in the monk, uh, there's some dissatisfaction. Uh, and uh, there's some dissatisfaction in a few features in the Sorcerer. We could look at uh, presenting alternative versions of just those features mm-hmm. and let you just cleanly swap them out with no other effect on the class. Uh, and no ripple effect uh, elsewhere. That makes sense. Uh, like if that. we do anything like that, though, it, of course, will go through the feedback process. We'll show it in Unartarkana. Nothing would become official without people giving us feedback. Because if people saw it and they're like, we hate it, well, then we won't proceed with it. So no one listening to this has to worry that we're suddenly going to spring these options on you and right. put them and into the game. as public
0: as we can be oh, uh, yeah. uh, as yeah. far as that goes. Yeah, yeah. and yeah.
3: That's, and that's... This is all why we're taking our time because I know there are some people who really are jazzed about some of the changes in the revised Ranger. Like, why don't we have it yet? Why don't we have it yet? And it's, we have to proceed cautiously because, uh, again, the last thing I ever want us to do is take something away from people uh, who are already enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, and I also don't want to sow confusion. Um, one of the big things that's important to us is that people always know where the ground is beneath them when they come to play D&D. They know they can get their player's handbook, that's that's the baseline of the game, and they you know they have what they need and they can mm-hmm. play. I don't want a bunch of hoops that people have to go through, uh, or or other bits of confusion about what you know. Will the real Bob please uh, stand <laughs> up? That's uh, why
0: we're going to when we do release you know these revised Ranger rules we're going to immediately destroy magically every player's handbook in the world and have it <laughs> automatically be replaced with a new version that has errata in it <laughs> right. as well as uh, right. these all these revised features so uh, no if, confusion will happen if only yeah <laughs> uh, it was going to be coming from from unearthed Arcana and and kind of the playtesting of things going in, in 2018 as we as we start looking forward here
3: uh, so we have uh, more options coming up uh, you know recently people have seen some. New New elf uh, sub-races. We did some new fiendish options. Uh, we'll continue to explore uh, different corners of the D and D multiverse uh, with both uh, player-focused uh, options and DM-focused options. Uh, it will all continue to be unofficial in Unearthed Arcana until we decide to make it official in a book uh, like Xanathar's Guide to Everything, or you know, in an adventure, or in a book like Volos' Guide. Um, all you know, most of our books again have elements in them that at some point blipped into the public in in some form or another, and and that will continue uh, in in the year ahead. Um, it it is funny. Uh, one little clue people can look for. I, well, yeah, again, yeah. I I always like to again behind the curtain stuff. <laughs> one clue people can look for in Unearthed Artharcana that we're particularly interested in. The sort of future potential official status of something is if they see my name on the article. Oh, uh, Because normally I only step in and work on an Unearthed Arcana if we think it has potential down the road. Typically if I'm not involved, we're more just kind of experimenting and just saying, eh, this was something fun we were thinking about. Um, now, yeah,
0: that, Ma- Mike's initiative rules
3: come to mind. Uh, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, those, those initiative rules, again, we put them out and like these are never going in the game. It's but. just a fun
0: little yeah. exercise and different way to think about initiative. Yeah.
3: Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because we – those articles are also valuable to us because sometimes when we just sort of shake the tree, like here's this crazy idea we were thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Something, sometimes something will fall out of the tree we didn't expect. Mm. And then that thing that we thought was just sort of experiment playtime could inspire us to create something uh, for real that people are going to love in the game. So that's why... Uh, to me, every on Arcana that we do is worthwhile, uh, even when my name isn't on it. Which again is the clue that we're kind of we're starting to go down the road of oh, we think this we might been, actually do something it's with got this. The manage,
0: managing editors touch yeah. on it. So <laughs> yes, it, it might mean it means something. Yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: it, even the one, uh, the other ones are valuable because sometimes they will spark a reaction in the community that will cause us to say, "Hey, there's something yeah. here," and we hadn't considered how fun or interesting this could be. And so we're going to push it to the next level.
0: And that's really cool too, because it also, uh, I mean, it's great when fruit comes from, from things like that, but I think that kind of short form of of designers making stuff and getting it out in front of people um, is valuable. Just keeping those design, muscles exercised in a way, right? Yeah. It's, it's similar to, you know, uh, a reading, I'm going to make a theater analogy again, but like, you know, a, a, a reading from a playwright where you're just kind of reading through the play, you're not staging it fully, but you get that it's, it's much lower impact uh, as far as production goes, but you get to feel it how it goes and you might be inspired or, you know, pull on the thread of something that, that you know, either sketch comedy, things like that, smaller form. Absolutely. Yeah. Short fiction even.
3: Yeah. And it it also, not only is a way for our designers to keep keep playing and, and experimenting with things. And when I say our designers, of course, I'm talking about myself too. This <laughs> kind of half talking about myself in uh, the third person. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, it's also a way to satisfy a need in the audience because uh, I, I know as a D&D fan, I know many of us as D&D fans, we just like seeing new things for D&D. Yeah. And, you know, we, we have our, our deliberate book publishing schedule, you know, three books a year. Uh, but people still often want to see, I want to see some new D&D stuff. So Unearthed Arcana is a way for us to play around with some things each month uh, without risking destabilizing the game by releasing uh, of official content constantly. Right. Uh, because getting official content to the polished state that it needs to be is a, is a lot of work uh, and, again, that when I say that polished state, it needs to be. What I'm talking about is a state where people are still going to enjoy the game they're already enjoying, that adding the thing to their game isn't going to disrupt it, mm-hmm. that they're going to be happy uh, that the thing was added. Uh, We're in the happiness business. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and that it can be added or ignored seamlessly because mm-hmm. some something I wrote in the uh, – introduction of Xanathar's Guide and actually repeated several times in the book, everything in this book is optional. Everything in – in fact, all of our books other than the core books is optional. Uh, We we only want people to use the stuff that makes them smile. Uh, And at the end of the day, because number one rule is the DM is the adjudicator – even everything in the core books <laughs> is optional.
0: Don't tell uh, anyone that. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but it, as, I mean, there's stuff in there, like the feats of the, of the player's handbook, which is completely optional. Yeah,
3: even feats in the yeah. player's handbook. We even tell you, they're in the core book, they are optional. Yeah. Multiclassing is an optional right. rule. And then by extension, not only is everything optional in Xanathar Sky, but in particular, uh, the new feats mm. there are optional. Now, another question I sometimes get about uh, playtesting having to do with like very particular things. It's like, why, why didn't X, Y, or Z make it? And I just thought of this because of talking about the feats in yeah. Xanathar's Guide. Uh, you know, people want to know, well, there was another human feat uh, in the playtest. Where did it go? Uh, there was another dragonborn feat. How come it's not in the book? Now, some things, uh, first and foremost, they just didn't meet the satisfaction threshold. And then when we drill in, because anytime something doesn't make it, Mm-hmm. satisfaction-wise. I always drill in to find out why, because uh, it's important for me uh, to know what resonates with people and what doesn't.
0: Yeah.
3: So in in those particular cases, uh, in some of like the feats, there were also some subclasses this was true for in Xanathar's Guide. Uh, people don't like some things if they're too much like something that's already in the game. Uh... They often don't like it if there's no resonant story for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, it basically it fails to pass the test of I can think of someone cool in a story using this thing. That's often one of the most important tests uh, for a D and D player is imagining a character using this thing and really loving that kind of narrative that unfolds in your mind as you imagine using it. Also, people don't like it uh, when other things in the game where it feels like their turf is being encroached upon. Uh, so a great example of this is uh, the other human feet that didn't make it into the book. Satisfaction was fairly low, and when I dug into the playtest feedback with Ben Petrosor and looked at it, it, it became clear that people basically didn't like it because it felt like it was encroaching on the halfling's turf. It was starting to be a bit too much like the halfling's lucky trait. Oh, I see. Uh, and... That's a funny balancing act because players tend to either feel like something's encroaching or what's funny, in Xanathar's Guide, we have something, we have um, uh, the divine soul in the sorcerer, which basically is looting the cleric spell list. People liked it. (laughs) But here's why. Story. Story. Right. It's always about story. Yeah. Because in the human one... It was basically – it was a game mechanic Mm. and people didn't really have a quibble with the game mechanic. But because it was essentially a story-free game mechanic that we thought, hey, this would be fun and, hey, humans are scrappy, Uh, let's give them this. But people rightly came back and said, well, this feels like the halfling and there was no – like it wasn't dripping with story. And so it was easy for it to then just feel like this is echoing something that's already in the game and it's not exciting me. Switch over now instead to the divine soul. This is a person infused with power from the gods, and they are channeling this godly power as a sorcerer, not as some priest, but as a person with this innate magic, a person who is themselves divine because of this power that is inside them. We say in that subclass, you get to use the cleric spell list, and people are like, awesome. Sweet. (laughs) But... In contrast, I can guarantee you if i put if I put a feed out or uh a a subclass feature with no story that just simply said, "Hey, you get to use the cleric spell list, have fun, whatever other class you are, yeah, people would say this is lazy crap
0: um you're just doing one for the other it's a swap. <laughs> right. right it's like a right. color palette palette swap yeah. in old school video games right yeah
3: and so but Sometimes those simple swaps are the best thing to do. So it's also not – it's actually not about uh, how complex or straightforward the thing is. Mm. So often it really is about the wonderful alchemy in D&D, about marrying game mechanics to storytelling. And when we succeed at that, when the two are meeting and speaking to each other in a way that resonates for somebody, satisfaction goes up. Uh, and, it, and it's funny because often a lot of people online will you know, crunch the numbers and say, yeah, but this guy isn't dealing as much damage as this other one. And it turns out for most of our players, they don't care. Right. Uh, what they care about is, does it look like I can make a, an awesome character in a story using this subclass and have some way to shine? Because mm. that's the other thing in our design philosophy is not everybody shines the same way. We always make sure everyone can shine They're not all going to shine in the same way. There are people who are always going to deal more damage. Right. There are other people who are always going to be more effective in uh, exploration encounters or uh, social interaction. Etc. cetera. Right. There are always going to be some people who are flashier than other people. and There are other people who are always going to, their, their character is going to be more reliable than other people.
0: And again, that's the, the fun of what Dungeons & Dragons is. So if you, you know, the, the, the Divine Soul, it just seemed like, oh, that's, that's, that's a facet of fantasy story time that I want to jump into. Uh, you know, I don't even really care about the mechanics. You know, like right. I, I, That makes sense. Oh, it has a cool mechanic too? Whoa! Alright, well you're blowing my mind. Yeah. 70%. You know, yeah. right? And that's, yeah. and that's all you need. And that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Well, I'm excited about where we are right now in the in the the process of of a uh, fifth edition, and that these unearthed arcana are going to be continuing to come out uh, uh, in 2018 and, and and testing some more stuff and getting them out into the public view, uh, as well as all the behind the scenes stuff that I know about that I can't tell you, <laughs> uh, which is really exciting too. So, uh, where can people? Well, a we mentioned unearthed arcana a bunch of times, so in case you, uh, we'll mention it in the intro to the podcast. But where can people find out uh, about that, and what's the current schedule of where that you think that's going to be in? in 2018
3: uh so we are uh moving forward we aim to have unearth arcana out each month on the second monday of the month uh it, you know unless of course there's like we're all out of the office on a holiday right. or something on and uh, it comes on out day. as
0: a, a pdf mm-hmm. uh on the dungeons and dragons website uh yes. you can search under uh articles uh, uh as well as just unearth arcana uh it will come up uh it's also in dragon plus if mm-hmm. i if i'm Right, I think it doesn't I think it'll have be so... it some of the time. Yeah, and I don't think it comes directly at the same time, so the first time will, will be on DonutDdragons.com, on, uh, uh, but then you can find it on Dragon Plus, uh, which is an app that you can download for your Android phone, uh, your uh, iOS ta- uh, tablet or other phone, uh, or on the web at uh, dragonmag.com. Uh, all right, And then if people want to ask you questions about everything that we covered uh, in the l- last 35 minutes, I, I can be
3: reached uh, on Twitter at Jeremy E. Crawford.
0: Awesome. Uh, And you guys can follow me. I'm at Greg Tito. Uh, Ask me questions if Jeremy doesn't get back to you in time, and I'll ping him and make sure he has (laughs) answers. (laughs) That's what I do here. Uh, We'll be doing more stage advice uh, in uh, 2018 uh, for more uh, Dragon Talk, uh, but uh, we'll be back uh, next week.
3: All right. Thank you very much. Thank you, everyone. (laughs)
0: Nice. So we love Humble Bundle. I do too. Yeah. Even though they were, they're now bought by IGN, right? What? I know. Did you know that? No. They are in like the the IGN future, umbrella. Uh, publishing. We own
2: your. Yeah. You know, everything's going to be owned by the same people yeah, eventually. It's headed that way. Yeah. Right. Hasbro. You know, why are you not buying IGN? Uh, because uh, Comcast bought us or something. Oh, know, right? all right. <laughs> Darn it. Dang it. Dueling corporate entities.
0: I know. Now I want to make up like, you know, Netrunner corporations that now are going to own us. This <laughs> yeah, Netrunner yeah. is kind of. Yeah, the Weiland f- uh, Corporation. Yes. Or Consortium. Is it? I forget oh, which one. I don't know. Yeah. We'll say Consortium because we'll it sounds Consortium more. Consortium sounds better. I like the you were, Yeah. And you were like, yeah, no I sci-fi. Don't <laughs> we don't do that. And
2: here I am grilling you on it. <laughs> I'm going to let Megan make the editorial call on which is the more ominous term.
1: I I like consortium. It also sounds a little more like formal too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it has the same oomph that like We Are Legion does. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. We have a suit and tie and we will destroy you.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Okay. It's creepier that way. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, that was a really good segment. I feel like I learned so much from uh, Chris and Matt and maybe even Jeremy with the yes. Sage Advice. I'm not even sure which one's happening at this moment. Uh, but it was a great segment. Yes. And what did you guys think?
2: It was amazing. I feel like I heard something.
1: Very important. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I feel like there was some audio that played in the, in the interim
0: there.
1: Right, right. I'm
2: going to have to go back and check it later. <laughs> you will. And then I want a full report. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be on your desk in the morning, sir. <laughs> Great. I'm giving, I'm giving
0: Wolfgang a, a TPS report uh, <laughs> assignments. I'm going to have to ask you to come in on a Saturday. <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for coming down and being sure. here physically uh, in our offices here in Renton and talking about uh, some fun holiday gift you're giving the Kickstarter community.
2: Yes. Oh, my goodness, we are. Um. We didn't think we were going to do this for the holidays. We thought this would kickstart months ago. But in the nature of things, we held it out till Christmas, just about. And it's the Creature Codex, 300 new monsters compatible with 5th edition. Um, because I got tired of people asking me, when are you doing the next Tome of Beasts? When are you doing the next Tome of Beasts? And all that time, I'm thinking quietly to myself, we've been working on it for six months, but we're not ready to announce yet. Um, and then that 6 months turned to and the 9 six months. months turned more like 8 9 and it's like <laughs> all right we better press the button on this thing um and yeah we've made a ton of progress we've uh, we've funded in 2 hours and and from here on it's all gravy it's all stretch goals more work for Megan is really yeah, what it is more much, monsters yeah. headed your way yeah, so you're doing uh, the editing of this, and you said you've been working on it already, right? So yes.
0: the manuscript has already been uh, uh, mostly done, and now it's just about adding uh, right. the backer stuff,
1: right? And then a few other cleaning up monsters and things like that, making sure everything looks good.
0: Nice. Uh, so if people want to know more about what editing is in the RPG business, what what's what, what can you tell them?
1: Oh goodness, um, that's a rough question, right? Because it's
0: different than a, like a narrative where you're just talking about story, yeah. but it's Some of that, but then you also have to – you mentioned like math, making sure all the math was right.
1: Right, and that's what I like about it because I like – I'm one of those people that really likes English and math. So for me, it's fun because when you're editing just narrative, uh, which I've done previously, it's all just words constantly, right? And the only math I guess in it is just making sure that things stay consistent. You know, if in Chapter 1 his eyes are blue, then in Chapter 10 his eyes should probably still be blue, (laughs) right?
2: (laughs) Unless it's a story point or a spell. Exactly, right. Right, Um, but generally –
1: but but when editing for RPGs and stuff, you, you get to break all that up uh, with all of the math and everything like that. But then you still have to make sure that same consistency is there, right? If you name, you know, the spawn of this creature, make sure that the spelling is still the same and that that actually makes sense that, you know, the demon of lies has a spawn that tells the truth. It would not match, right? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's a, so a little consistency amount is
2: like yeah. That. I mean uh, consistency is a huge thing. I see in your comments sometimes back to designers it's like – you say this, but I don't think you meant that. Right? <laughs> and I'm like, well, as a designer, having gotten these notes many times <laughs> myself, I'm I'm usually my first reaction is, "No, wait. Oh yeah, you're right." Um because <laughs> you don't know me. I'm the creator. Oh, yeah. I'm no, wild right. and inventive. I can do anything. You're not the boss of Wait, that's logical. You're you're right. Um and so I mean, that's really why editing is making making things better, right? It's, it's the new set of eyes. It's cuz no matter how much you proofread your own stuff, people invariably find they they miss the thing you missed at the first place, right? Mm-hmm. So,
1: Because you have too much investment in your own stuff. So you know what you meant.
2: Yep. You oh, it's to. like in playtest, right? I'm yeah. running a playtest of something I wrote. Well, I'm filling in all the blanks that I forgot to put in the manuscript mm-hmm. <laughs> because I'm running my own stuff. Yeah. So do you feel like you have you, you that you
0: encounter that problem a lot with RPG designers, where it's like yeah, you, it's all in your head and you didn't quite get it all down on the paper?
1: Right. Well, in a lot of designs too, it, it's passion work, right? Because people are really passionate about what they do, uh, so they're all into it and they know exactly what they want. You can tell their hearts into it, and that's one thing I really like about editing too, because you know I, I play things like clerics and stuff like that. I like making people look good, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I can tell this is you know their precious, their baby, right? Even if it's a multi-headed devouring demon right <laughs> you know it's still it's oh, their baby it's their precious baby so i like to make sure that any any changes i make are very careful um you know and making sure that hey this isn't quite you know what i think you mean but here's an adjustment that probably works without destroying your concept right right that makes sense yeah.
0: did you uh do you play a lot of dnd or, or yes. rpgs in general
1: i like rpgs yes. when did you start playing When I was about eight. No way,
0: really? Yes. Eight years old?
1: Yeah, my mother and stepfather are both really into, well, AD&D, so second edition. And I played a lot of that as a kid and then evolved into third. I'd skipped fourth and went from third to fifth. Mm. um, Played a lot of three and 3.5. That's cool. And a lot of second edition, which was tons of fun. Nice. My favorite was when we did uh, Council of Worms. Oh. oh
0: yeah! I, uh, it's where I got this. Uh, we had a, a table with a bunch of old products uh, uh, that uh, we were uh, passing out to people, That's and I grabbed I grabbed this awesome adventure. Oh no! Uh, and I just happened to see <laughs> yeah. that it had a name on the bottom: uh, Wolfgang Bauer. Yes, the adventure's Doom of Daggerdale. Indeed, and it was. Uh, and I realized this was TSR in, uh, in in the UK.
2: What? I think they published it. Huh? I think no. It was published in the states too. Oh, you have the British edition. Maybe it's a rarity. No, I think it just has the both of them on there. Oh, okay. No, I was wrong. Maybe they ninety-three. Were. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh, does this hold up? Is this as good as it was when you made it? <laughs> <laughs> so, my memory of these events twenty years ago. Yes. Uh, twenty. And who edited them? <laughs> well, to be fair, Georgia Stewart was the editor. And so she made me look good. oh my god these names all take me back Don Murin did the cartography Angelica did the type pasted it up by hand and the interior artist by Tony D'Terlezy and the cover is Jeff Easley so oh yeah that's a, I, the co- the covers what caught my eye even before the oh the, the Wolfgang man. Bauer down there yeah, you know, I tried to keep this one simple because it was kind of fairly low level and I didn't know a lot about the realms. I was more a Greyhawk guy at the time. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'll just pick one Dale and <laughs> make sure I don't leave. Um, and since then I've gotten, you know, occasional notes about you're the Daggerdale expert. It's like, no, I really – I was told, great <laughs> one, you've got a week. And, uh, no, it wasn't that bad. It was... Two weeks. Two weeks. (laughs) Dagger Falls, The Dream Fever. Yeah, I remember this. Well, I think it holds up, but I would, right? (laughs) And that's why we're going to play it right now with the expert uh,
0: dungeon master who wrote it. And you don't even need a copy because you have it all memorized, right? It's
2: all black and white. When did we start? You know, color came along on television long before color in RPGs. I
0: know, right?
2: further adventures. And
0: 93 is, is you know, that cusp year, right, where, where yeah. it, it feels like it was a lot of second edition stuff was getting made, but yeah.
2: Oh, jeez. All right. Yeah, totally awesome. New magic item, the Net of Dreams. Ooh, so like they raised somebody from the dead, and he's been doing bad stuff ever since they brought him back. When
0: are you going to do a tome of magic items? Oh. Um... <laughs>
2: February <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first <laughs> folks <laughs> well I think Megan edited our, our pdf of putting our toe in the water right items wondrous strange it's a pdf of like 55 new D magic items nice um weird ones some of them I like the it's weird ones yeah so um and people said hey that was great how about a few hundred more and we <laughs> said that may take some time um yeah it's amazing what's coming out like not just from cobalt but everywhere right like the guild adepts and and other companies yeah um because there's there's room right to To do something weird and different, so
0: yeah, yeah. With Xanathar's Guide to Everything out there, it kind of covered a bit the, the 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 core classes stuff that yeah. you know doesn't necessarily work as well on Dungeon Masters Guild. Although there is like tons of stuff on there with right. with new uh, character classes, but it's more I think adventures and and story and narrative stuff does. Yeah, a lot like the on magic
2: there. item section felt really flavorful, but not all that powerful. Right? Yeah. Um yeah yeah I think Chris went into those with the idea of like here's something that's
0: uh, uh will add to the the story flavor of your game way more than overpowering.
2: Right. It's like well everybody wants the Orpal blade, sure. <laughs> but wouldn't you also like to have some magic that just makes your character cooler without Yeah. Yeah. Like the uh, oh, I forget the name of it. But there's the robe that does the uh, the, the <laughs> <laughs> flows back behind you, yes. so you look really epic whenever there's a shot of you. You look epic at every opportunity. It's like what paladin doesn't want that? What bard doesn't want that? Exactly. They all want that, right? My, that heck, my wizard wants that. I know. So. I want to design a spell that's basically like. The,
0: the the I talked about this on the podcast before, but like the playwright spell, like you uh. here's the show, and then like you, it's like a, it's like a illusion magic that you basically just program with whatever text and and stage directions that you want it, and you could <laughs> sell that as a magic item to go to different fantasy cities, and they could put up your show, put up your you show. Wanted.
2: It's like well, it's like it's the, puppeteering without the need for tawdry puppets. Exactly, it's like the <laughs> DVD player of the fantasy world. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I think you've. It's given us enough to work with. We're going to take your idea and run with it. Like, nice. Royalty's <laughs> headed your way. I love
0: it. I love it. I my, want my, my bard character who's like the, uh, you know, Jeffrey Katzenberger or, like you know, whatever, he's like the, the, the media mogul who's going to take over all fantasy realms with his uh the, the illusion spell. All right, let's do it. All right. Done and done. I'm on board. <laughs> <laughs> so you played a lot. Going back to you, Megan, uh, you played a lot when you were uh, a kid. You said when you were eight. When did you – did you – were you dungeon mastering then, or were you just playing?
1: The first game I ever dungeon mastered, I was in sixth grade. Oh wow! wow. And it was not the greatest, <laughs> but my parents were very understanding, so that was good.
0: Were they your players?
1: Yeah. Oh, that's so uh, them, cute. And then uh, my I have a younger brother as well, uh, but he got he would often get bored, so sometimes he'd wander off and come back. Yeah. But I have uh, players like
2: that who are forty years old. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. <laughs> But yeah, it was a lot of fun. Um, it was, oh goodness, I'm trying to remember. Um, it, my stepfather created his own world as most DMs are want to do. Uh-huh. And uh, essentially gave me an island in it. And that's where I had my game. So my island was an island of elves, and there was a big tree, and then there were some ogres that had come in on one side of it, and they had to deal with the ogre threat and all that. So it wasn't too crazy or elaborate it was just like stop the invading ogres because i thought ogres looked cool and that wanted cool. to have them play so
0: i love that your uh your, your stepdad was like here you have this island and <laughs> you can it's your playground you can do whatever you want in there yep. in, the, in the homebrew that's pretty well, cool
1: and, and he loves doing the cartography stuff so he even drew the map like i gave him kind of a halfway oh. sketch and so he's like all right here's what the island looks like and that's it looked really so neat. much better than my you know college-ruled paper <laughs> drawing. <laughs>
2: Cartographers so. are awesome. I know. I, I, I'm so jealous of that skill. I, I bought a set of pens and some uh, some ruled paper recently thinking to myself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on my map-making skills. And um, bad news, there's been no progress. <laughs> I, <laughs> like sketched one. I'm like, this is about the same as always. Wait a minute. I'm going to have to put in 10,000 hours to get as good as those guys. To have to Malcolm Gladwell this up? Yeah, I'm not sure how that's gonna happen. I want to be Mike Schley or Dyson Logos or somebody, and I'm I'm just not. Hmm, can't jump right into it. No. Well, it's the funny thing is many people say that about you. About like, oh, oh you- I can't
0: just jump into running a small publishing company that's doing awesome stuff. It's totally easy. Cold
2: <laughs> press only took 11 is that, wait, years. Is that true, Megan? Is
0: it totally easy? <laughs> I,
1: I I still think I'm around because I don't say no when he sends me stuff. Oh. So.
2: Yeah, I keep waiting for the no. I'm like, oh, this is totally unreasonable.
1: Hey, Megan, can you turn
2: this around by, you know, Monday? (laughs) She said, yeah. Oh, that's great. She's the
0: best. (laughs) Now the real test is like, can you turn this around by yesterday? Yeah. No, I'm
1: not quite that good. No. Soon. Soon.
0: Yeah, when you get your
1: time traveling abilities. (laughs) You know, what is it? Hermione has the little time turner. Yeah.
2: You could do that? I'm pretty sure every editor gets one at a certain tier. Yeah, so what, what training did you have to go
0: through in order to become a, a techno editor?
1: The time turner. Chronomancer. I yeah, I think, I think I've missed that. Or maybe it's, maybe I haven't.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go do it right now. All right. I just did that Sweet. training, and here's my chronomancer. <laughs> <Sadly>. <laughs> it's my badge. Uh, but yeah, did you go to school for editing, or is that, was that like something that you, you wanted to develop, or is that just, how, how did you end up here?
1: So I wanted to go into linguistics, and then when I entered LSU, I went to Louisiana State University. Oh okay. And, go Shack. Uh, yeah, what?
0: Didn't Shack go there?
1: Oh, I don't know. I just know the Tigers are awesome.
0: Oh okay. That's you the, know, yeah, like right, the yellow, yellow LSU.
1: It? They're purple and gold. Purple and gold. Yeah, we, we well, bleed gold. purple and gold. Sorry,
0: gold. Yeah, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I never understood how.
1: Many sports people
2: are about like it's gold, not yellow. I'm like it's it's, very important that you get the shade right. Exactly, it's canary, not uh. (laughs) maroon and crimson are totally different. Okay,
0: (laughs) you're right. You're right. Exactly. But I'm pretty sure Shaquille O'Neal went there. Just throwing it out.
1: Okay, I haven't looked that up, so I don't know. Don't know about the history of LSU. You didn't but go to any
0: basketball or see anything happening there.
1: No, I used to um, get really upset about the football games because mm. uh, tailgaters would arrive on Tuesday and take up all the student parking with their RVs. And the game was on for, Saturday. The was
0: Saturday. So It's
1: you guys don't understand the SEC, man. That's yeah. it's pretty. It's, crazy.
0: it's a thing. Yeah, living. Yeah. I lived in the South for a little while. Oh. And it, uh, yeah. I'm
1: from the South, so. Oh, nice. I,
0: I was in uh, North Carolina. Oh. Uh, close in enough. Durham, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty much. You know, only like thousand miles, fifteen hundred. Yeah. Something
1: up. like that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so but yeah, no, they t- they they pay very much close attention to not just football but college football college specifically. Football specifically yeah. yeah, it's true. So you were you were trying to edit while there was tailgaters going on around you.
1: <laughs> Basically, yeah. I, I wanted to go in linguistics, uh, but they canceled their linguistics program around the same time I started college. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, I guess I'll just go into English because that's close enough to editing, right? So, and that's history after that, so
0: nice, and they uh, you learn you're like, oh, "I'm going to get a job working at Cobalt <laughs> press, <laughs> and your dreams come true, so good job, sure, yeah <laughs> dream
1: come true
0: nice i uh i went I took a linguistics class, uh mostly because yeah. i I knew tolkien was a was a linguistics professor, oh, so oh, I'm like, right. oh, if I'm going to do this, then it was totally not." making up some Our, elf words like I thought know. it was going to no, be it, yeah.
1: it's, it's math, that's what I like about <laughs> yeah. it because it's it breaks it down into the math of language because language is math and math is a language So uh, it
0: was I, a math credit that's yeah. half the reason why I took it too I I'm was like, oh, it gets my math, shocked I and know.
2: amazed to learn that Minoan Linear B uh, the one of these languages that has never been translated mm-hmm. they finally cracked it a year or two ago nobody well. told me and how they cracked it, they gave it to an AI Oh wow. really? I am like, well, yeah. Apparently, they said, "Here is ancient Greek. Here is Linear B. Do your stuff, AI." And it came <laughs> back with enough for the humans to like do the rest. And I am like, okay, um, you know, our linguistics plugins are just a matter of years away. Nope. I, I, I hate to say this, Ming, but you know, at some point, maybe there will be AI editors. Oh. Maybe there will be... That would be terrible, actually. Yeah. I don't think I'd like that. But. I think there might be AI uh, uh, game publishers. Game designers, publishers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm going to be the first to be replaced.
0: No AI podcast hosts, though.
2: That's, Are you sure? That's not going to happen. Mm, voice synthesis. This is brought to you by Skynet. <laughs> Hi, my name is... <laughs> Hi. <laughs> right, see, Siri is already halfway there. It's true. She'll already talk to you. So, do you... Do you uh,
0: Communicate with uh, your AI device? <laughs> and when you do, do you use please
2: and thank you? I do communicate with it, but only because my children have taught me how. They're like, you know, Siri, where's the zoo? Siri, get me ice cream. Siri, get me whatever. I'm like, kids, stop doing that. <laughs> <laughs> You're talking to a robot. Right. You know, text mom. I'm like, okay, no, there's no person there. I know, but I don't care. It does stuff. Um so you don't use please and thank you, then. I don't use please because and thank
0: I, you. Because I, I, when I talk to the Alexa thing, I'm always like, thank you, Alexa, for turning off the lights. See? You're a kind person. And oh, Sometimes man. I'll say Alexa, and I don't actually want to do anything. I'll just say, Alexa, and I'll pause, pause, pause. I love you. <laughs> and she always responds very kindly. Oh, yeah. see? They, they a
1: special they, relationship. We do, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: They're like, um, they're like mimics in vocal form, aren't mm-hmm. they? <laughs> yes, they are. They're not real people. <laughs>
0: But are they? I don't know. What's no. the, What's the you know, the, the Turing test is going to
1: be right. passed they,
2: eventually. Well, they translated Linear B. So as far as I'm concerned, they're yeah. smart. So what is Linear B? That's, that's my it's, question. It's like an ancient form of Greek from like the days of the Odyssey, right? So the Minoans and the Greeks had different ways of writing, different alphabets. And Linear B was the alphabet nobody could crack. And I sort of grew up with it in my limited understanding of linguistics as, that thing no one will ever understand. So when somebody <laughs> said they got it, I was kind of blown away. Is it like they had writing? They it's a had, writing. It's a written form. Alphabet, but it's just, just 4,000 years old and it goes back to the days of you know Atlantis. And there was no Rosetta Stone that had – There was no Rosetta Stone and yeah. there's not enough of it for them to just brute force it however they do it. Mm-hmm. Except uh, when they had the AI? Except now apparently they do. So – I'm like, okay, we live in an age of wonders. And uh, <laughs> if I had to comprehend languages, it would have been easy, right? But without magic, we need our tech to pick oh up the gosh. slack.
0: Is that what that spell has been all about? You were throwing the AI at it this whole
2: time? This whole time. <laughs> to, to learn the halfling language? Uh, or uh, Was it Asimov? Abyssal? Any sufficiently advanced technology? Yeah, I think it was Clark, actually. Or, oh, it
0: was Clark. Yeah. You're right. It wasn't Asimov. Stupid Asimov. He just did the three. But if you ask Alexa the three (laughs) laws of robotics, she she
2: rattles them off. Oh, does she? Yeah. (laughs) See? So who was better, Clark or Asimov? I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not into science fiction. (laughs) See? It's another callback. We love it. Picking up steam.
0: Uh, So this project, Creature Codex, you said you've been uh, 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 editing it this whole time. What's it it like getting into the the minutiae of, of editing something like this?
1: Oh, um, well, I haven't, I'm not, he's doing the d- actual design of the book. I'm mostly just focusing on each individual creature mm-hmm. and making sure that each individual creature could stand on its own, operate it on its own, that kind of thing, so that you could take this and put it wherever. Um, yeah. So that that's that's mostly what I'm doing, is just focusing on, on the individuals and making sure they work correctly, and, and then also making sure that, you know, if we have a, a creature that Blows exploding snot at somebody that we don't have a second creature that throws exploding <laughs> snot at somebody. It was that's one of my a, favorite second edition dragons. I'm sorry.
0: Oh, okay. I, that was, I thought it was a very specific
2: thing that you were like, this is happening. This no, much. that's canonical D&D,
0: Greg. Yeah,
1: that's the Amethyst Dragon's Breath Weapon. It blew gloogies that exploded. It was great.
2: Oh, Ed. <laughs> I, uh, gem dragons. I've you know, <laughs> been there. Uh, and the other thing that's going on now at this stage of the design and the editing process is we have multiple writers, right? and they all write a little differently mm-hmm. and sometimes forget different things or work in a different way. So a large part of what I think of as editing work is making the whole thing feel like there's one voice. Right. Right? Like it all's cohesive and we don't have 16 weirbats, demon bats, bat lords, whatever, well, what you said. And making the uh, language consistent too.
1: Right. right. Yeah. Because, uh, yeah, you can definitely tell, like, this author always does this. Okay, well, let's uh, trim that down. And then this one never does that. Okay, well, let's add a little bit more to that. So we've got consistently. Yeah.
0: that's that, that's that. It takes a delicate touch because you don't want to, as you said, take away their voice or make it so right. that their their creativity doesn't come through.
1: Exactly. And that other thing is because their passion works, right? I don't want to be like, oh, your passion <laughs> oh. You <know>? stupid. <laughs> that's
2: for the play testers.
0: Right, exactly.
1: <laughs> that's
2: for you. That's your girl. Well, and me too. But, I mean – we've got a playtest coming up for a lot of these monsters especially the ones that have super weird powers that we're less confident in how they play right yeah. and sometimes they do come back and crush dreams <laughs> it's like oh it seemed like such a great idea to do time travel but it doesn't work and, and it's almost too great of
0: an idea yeah. yeah almost almost uh so how do you how do you do that when you're doing a playtest for things like that do you just drop it into a story
2: or do you just create a scenario uh, we we brute force monster playtests. There are other ways to do it, right? But when you have three, four hundred monsters and you want as many of them play tested as possible, um, what we do is we throw it out to people and say, alright, fill out this form, tell us what level your party is or what levels of play you're comfortable with, um, and we'll send you a packet that goes with that challenge, right? And so it'll be five monsters, they can drop them in anywhere they want, and then throw us back a report, like you wipe everybody out. We were bored. We laughed at the snot dragon, right? <laughs> <laughs> Any feedback is good feedback. Well, honestly, the we laughed at the snot dragon. Feedback is really useful because it may be that you know we're disagreeing about oh that's the dumbest, whatever. But if the play testers come back and said you know my group really laughed, I thought it was stupid. My my group loved it. And it's like okay, it works in play, right? Yeah. It's fun at the table. Um, and sometimes it's really hard to tell that and anything humorous or dark or like you're not sure about the tone or th- what the reception is at the table it's like okay put it out there with people who've just read it cold and are running it yeah um, and that's incredibly helpful to to end those kinds of arguments <laughs> among creative types yeah. yeah
1: and and when the playtest that's that's when you find out because you can kind of imagine certain scenarios that some of these creatures will be in but when it's actually out there and people are using it they might use it in a scenario or in a way that you never would have thought of Hmm. you know or or like an interesting challenge or something for what they think is interesting for their players and we're like well we never thought the creature would be in the water but i guess it technically could be all right Yep,
2: and it made it much more dangerous yeah (laughs) exactly (laughs) They can always find a way uh, to make it either more dangerous or less dangerous. Well, yeah, and sometimes it comes back. Like for Toma Beasts, there was a, a sphinx, a vulture sphinx. And everybody who got it was like, this is really cool, but sphinxes are supposed to know riddles, and there's even a riddle thing written into the powers. And there's no sidebar for riddles. So I had to go look some up. And You, know, you made me work. <laughs> and I feel like, ah, oh, we failed, right? We shouldn't. So the the printed version of Tome of Beasts, the Vulture Sphinx, has a sidebar that is, here's 15 riddles in varying levels of difficulty. <laughs> uh, and, and Did you make those up? Did you make up new riddles or were they yeah, a couple they're, from – Yeah, I think a couple are sort of classics um, and, uh, I don't know, half are brand new. I They're hard to dream up, honestly. Yeah. I wrote like six of them and then I took six from the Greek mythology or whatever right. Um, and so, yeah, I think it saves the Game Master a bunch of time, and they look smart in front of their players, right? Because it's like, Ha, we solved your first riddle. Sphinx says, I have more, right?
0: <laughs> I've got 15 levels of, uh, of riddles <laughs> right. right
2: here. You want to go double or nothing? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> All of your magic items. All right, and it sort of plays into that, that experience at the table where they just said, you know, this was cool until the moment where I had to go look stuff up. Yeah,
0: right. And you're right and puzzles and and uh, riddles are those that that thing that add a little bit of spice to, even just to a,
2: a monster book right but and to a campaign and to a campaign oh yes Tombs of Annihilation full of puddles, puzzles, riddles, traps. And puddles because it it rains quite a bit in (laughs) the the jungles. (laughs) Dinosaurs race
0: through it. It's a mess. It's a mess. You don't know what puddle is. Your step, it could be viscera. It could be
2: dinosaur poop. Don't don't inquire too closely. (laughs) Exactly. And don't drink it, please, for the love of all that's (laughs) holy. (laughs) <laughs> Jungle parasites. I'm sure there's a sidebar.
0: Oh yeah, there's there's quite a few. Uh, but yeah, no, that's super cool, and it's good that uh, uh, you got that feedback. So you'd be like, oh yeah, that makes sense. We can add it to the thing. And and uh, being agile, I don't have to put that in. I mean, that's smart. Yeah. Did do you ever come up with stuff like that as you're looking at these different monsters together? That like, you know, it would be really great if there was X or 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 some way to bridge these. Like, they're they're just too disparate.
1: Um, I mean, there are times where I'll I'll point out that hey, there feels like there's something missing here. Or um, in one of my recent edits, we had two different creatures that uh, in their bite, I think one of them had a claw, one of them had a bite, and each of them uh, put a disease in the person Mm. right when it hit. And the diseases worked very similarly, and they had like the same name for a very similar name, and I was like, yeah, well, let's let's change this. So I didn't do any changing, but it's my job to kind of bring that back to the designers and be like, hey, I know it's two different people, but you guys kind of went along the same vein here. Let's try and change this up a little bit and see if we can give a little more diversity to it. Yeah, so in the, the iterations of those monsters now, they're very different diseases and completely different names now. So it's cool. little things like that that... That I'm supposed to be catching.
0: Yeah, that's great. And that's a great, like, bird's-eye view that nobody would be able to see without, you know, being at this step of the process. Um, Two questions for you. One is do you feel that – I don't know how to get this out there without making it sound like – that there's not enough editing going into RPG stuff. Do you feel like there like I, I want to like elevate that idea because everyone's like, oh, you always need a good editor to go through your stuff, not just for the feedback, but for you know uh, uh, that it's, it's it's a worthy part of the development process that more people should do. Do you feel that uh, uh, you know you want to be like an advocate for editors a little bit more? Because I I used to be one, so I'm I'm I'm, I'm on advocate. I
1: don't know, it makes me sound like an activist out with a sign. I know, right? Like
0: <laughs> go editors, they're awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, but they are go editors. You're awesome. You're awesome. <laughs>
1: Uh, what I like better about editing is is more content editing, and I think that's where there's kind of a lack because mm-hmm. most people assume editors are just like proofreaders, yeah, right and I mean no I, one I understands can't.
2: the distinction who isn't in the field right yeah.
1: exactly and I mean I, I can do that, but I mean, so can Siri right I mean my role is more of making sure that the content matches or that there's things like with those two diseases right and I think that's something that isn't necessarily seen in the RPG world because a lot of the RPG world editors are or, or just in books in general? Editors are just proofreaders, essentially. And uh, oh, I, that's not fair.
2: There are many editors who are content editors. That's true. But there it, are
1: a lot, but there are also a lot that don't don't do as much content.
2: Right. And so. especially, I think only the larger companies can afford it or value it. Right. Right. Like if you are a tiny little shop, you're happy if someone proofreads at all. Right. Um, whereas if you're, you know, Wizards of the Coast, you can afford. Awesome editors right right
0: But i 'm trying what i 'm trying to get is that it 's still a vital part of the thing, even oh, yeah. if you are a a small publisher, if you have the means or you, you know it's it 's worth at least finding an editor uh who says you uh, it costs too much to do that right. you know but like it 's a vital step of the process that right. I think most people uh, uh i just want to make sure they know
2: yeah i think they yeah I, I would agree with you one hundred percent and i honestly speaking as a publisher and a consumer of rpg stuff it 's like if things haven't been well edited, I just think less highly of the company behind it, right? Right. It's like this was sloppy. And everybody's sloppy sometimes. But if you're bringing in an editor, then you're less sloppy. You're elevating the quality of the stuff you're putting out there. Um, and you see this on everything from DM's Guild to you know, Triple A, Xanathar's Guides. Mm-hmm. Um, The better the text is, the more audience reaction you get to it, right? People are like, it was fun to read. I'm excited about it. The designer did their job. The editor did their job. But only the designer gets the credit. (laughs) There's an editing credit. She said her name's in the book. She's very excited about that. I
1: don't. I don't need my face on it or anything like that. We're all good. I
2: we can put your name on the front, right? So.
1: But but no no pressure there. With, Wait, oh, no. editors are great. They're key. Yeah, thanks for all the pressure. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I've been there too. But I'm not saying editors are perfect. I'm just saying that wow, thank goodness we have them. I know. I want
0: more of them out there. So how could people, if they you know, if we're listening or, or paying attention to this. They might want to offer their services as an editor to RPG people going forward. How? What, what would you suggest people do?
1: Uh, talk to people like Wolfgang, mostly.
0: All right. Um, yeah. I mean, I so met him
1: at a convention. So going some. to conventions, oh, really? having like your business card and being like, hey, I'll freelance edit for you. A lot of people that are looking for freelance editors will have editing uh-huh. tests already set up, yeah. and they're willing to send that to people and be like, hey, how well do you do on this test? Let me see what your editing style is like and things like that. Because a lot of RPG companies do have um, – kind of like a a treasure trove of freelance writers and freelance editors that they dip into occasionally when they have too much for their main, their core staff. Right. And that's the pool that you want to get into. Yeah. You want to be part of that. Uh, And that's, that all is as simple as taking a business card to them, meeting them at a convention and saying, hi, I do stuff. Let me do stuff for you.
0: (laughs) That's true. You got to be forthcoming for sure. Uh, And then you mentioned, you know, you went to school for, for, for linguistics and then English. Is there like a specific training for it that you could recommend to people?
1: goodness. I don't or, know. or not.
0: I mean, is it more of a thing you kind of pick up through, through you know, consuming this kind of stuff?
1: I mean, my linguistics and editing background definitely helped. I mean, because I have, a, I guess, a more intimate relationship with the English language than somebody else might that didn't go through all of that. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it is just proving that you can do it. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the harder part, um, which also comes down to, you know, getting those editing tests and then getting the feedback, too. Mm-hmm. Right. Because people like Wolfgang will be like, hey, I don't want to use you right now, but here's why. You know, you can usually ask, hey, why? What did I do incorrectly? What would you have liked to have seen me do differently and things like that?
0: But don't put any profanity in that.
1: Yeah,
0: no. No. Why didn't that pass? Blank.
2: Blank. (laughs) Blank. (laughs) 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 Don't do that. Editors know all the words, especially the bad ones. It's amazing. True. You get a foul-mouthed editor going. It's pretty. It's. That's what I've been trying to, to do want. this whole interview is get Sorry. Megan on a tirade. <laughs> this here, is not going to happen. I want some <laughs> colorful <laughs> metaphors uh, being thrown around. Well,
1: then I got to pull up my Shakespearean app.
0: Yeah, all uh-huh. right, exactly. I bite my thumb at you. Yep. Uh, You wastrel. (laughs) (laughs) He was pretty good. He He came up with some very
2: good uh, uh, some insults we retain.
0: Yeah, to to this
2: day,
1: Stephen Fry's pretty good at it too. If you ever get to hear some of his, he's got some colorful ones.
2: He does a lot of
0: uh, linguistic stuff like that too, where he goes back and like looks at idioms and things like that. Right? He is
1: tons of fun to watch. Yeah.
0: That's pretty cool. All right, so watch Stephen Fry, mm-hmm. read Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. Um any other any other tips? Play more D&D. Play more D&D. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Well that
1: that is I think for me that's key is knowing the content, right? I mean cuz you could be the best editor in the world but if you don't know what D&D is you can't really edit D&D, right? Right.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, and I I I've, I've I've talked to people who are like editing uh you know trying to get editors to do uh say memoirs and get them to do RPG stuff and it's Yeah, Yeah, you spend all your time teaching them what RPG stuff are, right? Yeah. Yeah. So know your content. Right. And And that
1: that really helps me too with monsters because I DM and I play. And I'm like, "Mm, as a player, mm, I don't know. As a DM, I would feel terrible.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But...
0: So then we got to get you more of an angry DM who's going to okay.
2: destroy the players more of it. Everyone's got their style, That's right? That's true. That's true. Some let the players destroy themselves. <laughs> That's the
0: best medicine. <laughs> oh yes, for sure. Uh, well, I'm excited about this uh, this project about uh, uh, creature, uh, creature Codex. Creature mm-hmm. Codex. I keep wanting to call it Electric Boogaloo, so Cute. I apologize. <laughs> I knew that logo was gonna haunt me. It's true. <laughs> can I just get like, when the copy comes? I'll I'll buy it and then I'll just tape Electric Boogaloo on the I'm, front of it.
2: I'm about this close to saying, you know, we're just gonna give every backer an Electric Boogaloo sticker just just to get it out <laughs> there. <Yeah. laughs> With my, can I, me and Shelly be on it? Be yes.
0: Right see exactly. Yeah. We'll, we'll participate in that. That sounds like All fun. Right,
2: we'll. <laughs> we'll bring you in for the promotional video, the dance off <laughs> launch video. Oh my gosh, you're doing a dance off launch video. We are now. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here. Everyone
0: knows. Uh, and now I got to practice my dance moves uh-huh. as well as my editing skills.
1: Elven dance music.
0: Yes, mm. we got to get some uh, some EDM going on here. Well, Ryan's
2: gonna cook it up pretty soon.
0: Uh, awesome guys. So where can people? It's it's running now. The it's Kickstarter now is now. On Kickstarter.
2: It ends January fifth. Uh, if you back it for even a dollar, you can submit a monster of your own to the pile. Maybe it goes into the final book, maybe not, but give it a shot. Um if you do- if you donate a dollar, can you also do an editing test no. uh, to
0: see if you can be an, no. an editor for the book? I'm not
2: checking that many editing tests. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly by reference. Dang it.
0: It's really trying to elevate the No, editors. I got to meet
2: those people in person. Ah, All right, that makes sense. A bad editor, right? You don't want to get me started on what a bad editor. Well, does. that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. That's where I bring out the Shakespeare Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> nice.
0: So it's, it's uh, Creature Codex. It's on Kickstarter. You can find it with a quick Google search, I'm yes, sure. Yes, you can.
2: Yeah. It's out there.
0: Nice. Uh, and uh, where can people find out about you guys
2: personally hmm. if well, you want people to find uh, out about I'm you? I'm still on Twitter at Monkey King, and I guess I'm on Facebook. I don't Facebook as much as I used to. You're so- on Friendster? No. Yeah, me neither. Uh, MySpace? No. Yeah. Geocities? <laughs> oh, you probably still have a website. I still have Geocities. With the- I still have a live journal somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what my about- God. People, don't
0: look. It's embarrassing. What about you, Megan? Where can people f- ask you questions about how to become an all-star RPG
1: editor? Oh, God. Um. Well, I have a Twitter, but that's... About it. The GM Moonwolf is, is pretty much, and I don't really do too much with it. I use it mostly to follow people. The only reason I created it was to follow Goblins, which is a webcomic that's really awesome. Nice. Um, don't know if you guys have heard of it, but I they're, they're it a D&D webcomic, oh, and they're nice. pretty awesome. Yeah. i got to check them out. Yeah. it's
0: it Goblins with an S or with a Z?
1: Goblins with an S. Okay, good. Yeah.
0: Sure. If it had was been a Z,
2: that yeah. would have, I mean, right, come on. <laughs> you, you're a yes on the Z? No. <laughs> okay, good. All right, phew. I'm not down with that. I thought we were going to have blows. No, we're not. Blows, no. But, <laughs> <laughs> there was going to be some fisticuffs. I, I am of an elder generation, a more civilized
0: time. <laughs> I only use the Z, ironically. Does that count? I, I'm a child of the
2: 90s. All uh, right, that, that's fine. Yeah. You fresh prince in your... <laughs> <laughs> And your brats, and your brats. Oh my god! God. Yes, the logo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
0: I remember seeing them. I was I was of an age where I was like, "What are they making these for?" It's the wrong message for children. I was like, you know, 16 at the time or something like that. I'm like, and why now, would they
2: do this? Now look at you <laughs> and Who's your – Who's
1: target audience? I know.
2: Your drizds and your doers <laughs> and your <laughs> menzo-baranzas. There's that's a that's lot of Zs in there. There's a lot of Zs here. At least there's no apostrophes in our
0: dragon name. Which one? There are lots of apostrophes. There are a lot of apostrophes. <laughs> <laughs> Too many. Too many out there. Uh, well, thank you guys for for braving the traffic and coming down to sure, uh, to it. sunny Renton uh, or foggy Renton, as the case <laughs> may be. Uh, and it was good to have you. Good, to, well, uh, yeah, well, Thanks for having us. No problem. Mm-hmm. We'll be back uh, with uh, more stuff in 2018.
2: Oh my god, Woo! it's almost here! I know right
0: all right. So sure. go go back. Uh, 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 creature Codex. I, said, I got it. I said all right, <laughs> uh, right now. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's it for uh, uh, this edition of Dragon Talk. We're going to sign out. We're getting out of here. We're done. We're done. Bye, everybody.